know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is just Jam and Joe of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. And on tonight's episode, this is a very loaded and very exciting episode because RG3, it's 100, baby. The one big O-O. That's right. 100. Like, let me just say, I can't believe we've already done 100 episodes. And this is this is crazy, man. It but, is. It's it, pretty awesome, though. It really is. And our podcast has really grown. And we've got some uh, some special some special guests here, and we've also got a very exciting announcement at the end of the show. Um, so, do you have a favorite episode so ooh, far? Um, great question, great question. Um, you you know what episode I've really liked? I've really liked uh, getting to interview our our friend Bill Van Woman. I've really liked getting a chance to talk to him, mm-hmm. talk about college basketball, college football, golf, you know, stuff like that. Those are fun. Our Braves episodes with Tom are great. Well, well, Tom's just great. I mean, I mean Tom's <laughs> the man. Um, you know, the, the guests we have coming up later, they're, they're fun interviews as well. You know, when we've gotten a chance to talk to Dan Kamal, uh, who previously was with the Atlanta Thrashers and worked at 92.9 The Game on the Sports Insider, who I got to know and is, I would call him a friend, you know, getting a chance to talk to him. That was really cool. So, I mean, we, we've gotten to talk to a lot of really cool people. And we're going to keep this interview train rolling. So, RG3, let's get 100 kicked off right. And to do that, we're going to talk some NBA bubble with the biggest LeBron James fan in in the state of Georgia and also the biggest Philadelphia 76er fan I know, the one, the only, Dan McGowan. Dan, how's it going, dude? Hey, Joe. It's going great. Glad to be here and excited to... Um, be a part of the 100th episode. Well, let me just say this real quick before we get into into it with Dan. Two years ago, Dan was our very first guest we ever had in the history of the show. I remember it was a Saturday afternoon. Dan was over. We were talking about, I think Georgia had a, had a big basketball game that night and you know some NBA and a couple other things. But yeah, Dan was the first ever guest we ever had. That's an honor I'm going to hold dearly for the rest of my life. As you should, buddy. As you should. <laughs> um, so, so Dan, we'll, let's get right into it, man. Some NBA bubble. So, I'm, I'm going to hit you with, uh, with this first topic here. So, what are your impressions of how the NBA has handled the testing and just the overall atmosphere in the bubble? Oh, it's been, it's been great. It's been almost... It's been almost downright perfect, except for um, a few guys leaving the bubble. But, uh, you know, they're uh, not having any cases, and, and they're putting on basketball basically all day. And um, I'm just so happy that to have sports back, and it might be one of the most successful restarts that I've seen thus far. What do you think, Joe? Uh, I, I agree with you, man. You know, it, the interesting thing... With the testing, you know, now with the uh, with the saliva test that the NBA is, is using is definitely something interesting to mm-hmm. think about. But as far as, like, the actual basketball, it's, it's been really entertaining. I mean, the Phoenix Suns went on that eight-game winning streak. Devin Booker played out of his mind. Like, like Damian Lillard is probably my new favorite non-Atlanta Hawk. 
I mean, I mean, the guy is absolutely insane. Yeah, super entertaining games. I think without the fans there, it's um, you know it's lent to a lot more offense because we're seeing a lot of high scores. So um, yeah, I've been I've been loving the bubble, and I'm I'm loving watching some NBA basketball, and it's just getting better now as the playoffs start. For sure. And we know you're a diehard Philadelphia 76ers fan. Give us some thoughts on the 76ers throughout the bubble and in their first-round matchup with the Boston Celtics. Man, I think no comment there. Um, 76ers, they, they, have some, they have some problems right now, and I think it's going to be a uh, quick exit from the bubble for them, unfortunately, um, with no Ben Simmons. and They just can't seem to find a, a second-half offensive groove lately. Right. Well, it looks like to me, you know, I was watching some of the, some of the game last night, and, you, you know, some of their shooters really stepped up, like that Josh Richardson from Tennessee. Like, he, he's, he's solid, man. They have some good pieces. They just go on these big, cold stretches, and, and when they're not playing through Embiid, they have trouble getting shots. Um, so, um, and what's really down with them is their, their, their defensive te- intensity hasn't been there. Jason Tatum is making them look silly. Um, so I love my Sixers. They're they're my team, but um, I just don't. I don't think the, it's going to be their year in the well, bubble. Well, let me well, let me hit you with this follow up question. What what is your take on Brett Brown? Um, I like Brett. I like Brett a lot. Um, I think he he can succeed in Philadelphia. I just I don't know if they have the right puzzle pieces. You know. Um, we're not a good shooting team right now, and I think you know we were better when J.J. Redick was there. Um, I think if the right pieces are put around Embiid and Simmons, Brett Brown can definitely succeed, but I think he just might be playing chess with the wrong pieces right now. So my next kind of topic for you here. So give us a prediction on who you think is going to represent the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference in the finals. Well, I mean, if you asked me a few days ago, that that would be an easier question. But, um, you know, the first couple of games of the playoffs have shown that even some of the high seeds can win. So I don't, I don't know if we really know it right now. But um, Toronto Raptors are looking solid in the East. Um, and and I think they, they're going to have a good chance. Um, we'll see if the Bucks can rebound tonight. But um, I'm going to go with the slight upset there and go with the Raptors going back to the finals in the East. The Kawhi winnerless Raptors. Yeah, they've they've stepped up without Kawhi. Yeah. What do you think? Who's coming out of the East, Joe? As far as the East goes, you know, you know, I tend to think that Milwaukee is going to find their footing. I think I think Giannis and the Bucks realize that this is their time, and they need to take advantage of it while they have it. Like and Chris Middleton, for example, like I think he's a really solid number two to play alongside. Giannis, but but the thing about the Bucks is if they're not getting Chris Middleton going consistently from the outside, and if they're not getting Eric Bledsoe going from the outside, you know they're in, they're in real trouble because everybody collapses down low in the paint on Giannis and Brook Lopez, and it just me it just makes it easy for teams to stop uh, to stop the Bucks. And I also really like Mike Budenholzer. He he's a great coach. You, you know, as I know, you know, being uh, when he was here in Atlanta with the Hawks, you know he. He's probably the greatest coach the Hawks have ever had. We know you're a big Bud fan, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a Bud fan, Dan, but I'm not a Cub fan. I'm a Braves fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, who do you think is going to be the last team standing? 
Well, coming out of the West, I think the West is wide open. Um, the Lakers don't look very good right now. Um, I think as good as the Trailblazers have been, they're they're going to run out of luck at some point. Um, the Clippers haven't looked great, so I think it's really wide open. And um, you know, uh, that Denver Utah series could potentially produce the winner there. Um, and I actually think that the number one seed in the West is not going to get there. I think the Lakers are going to fall short, um, despite me rooting for LeBron. Well, 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 let me ask you about this. What, what about Luka and the Mavericks? The Mavericks look great. Um, they, you know, I think Luka's been a star all year long, but I think what's really helped them is Kristaps Porzingis has come out and really showed um, kind of what everyone thought he would be in New York, but he had a tough first year in Dallas. But he's, uh, it looks like he's finding his groove in the bubble. And, I mean, they're a pretty dangerous team right now. Yeah, they are. They really are. So, so, so if I have this straight, I think you're gonna go with the Raptors and the Mavericks in the finals. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Raptors, and I'm gonna go with a little bit of upset out there. I'm gonna go, actually go with the Jazz. Interesting, interesting. You know, the the Jazz are coached by Quinn Snyder, who's a blood uh, disciple, and the Jazz are a really like young, talented team. You know, with uh, Donovan Mitchell and you know guys like that. I mean, the Jazz are formidable. And then I'm going to take the Raptors um, for winning it all, and they're going to go back to back. So back to back parties in Canada, look out! <laughs> and, it, and it's not because of uh, because of the Maple Leafs on their hockey run or Justin Bieber. It's because of the Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Dan, th- thank you so much for talking uh, some NBA bubble with us. And uh, hopefully next year my Hawks are in the NBA playoffs and we'll be seeing Hawks and Sixers in the playoffs, baby. Uh, I hope not for your sake, but I'd love to watch it. <laughs> I... <laughs> well, uh, well, Dan, we're, you're not going away just yet. We're going to bring on our other guest here in a second and we're going to talk some University of Georgia Bulldog football. And we'll be back in one second. And RG3, we're going to keep uh, the sports talk going with our second guest here. We've got Dan and this this other guest, and that guest would be the one, the only, my dad. My dad has co-hosted before. He's been on the show a bunch. He was one of our other early interviews when we were first starting the podcast. And I thought, you know, what would be better than to have the first ever guest we've ever had and one of the earliest guests we've had on the podcast and talk something they both love, and that is the University of Georgia Bulldog football team. So... You guys up for some college football and some Georgia talk? Absolutely. Joe, Richard, I'm really proud of you guys. A hundred shows, that's great. And it it keeps getting better and better. And, you know, here's to many hundred more. But the first hundred were really great. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Means a lot. So so let's get it cranked up here, fellas. And, well, actually, I think RG3 is going to hit it first. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with... um, I don't know if you want to call this drama or not, but, you know, there have been some discussions with Justin Fields and him creating a petition to try and uh, have the Big Ten reconsider their initial decision of postponing their season. How likely do you think it is that the Big Ten will change their minds? Not very likely. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's admirable that Justin Fields would try and do that, and I I think it's great. 
But the reality is this is a decision that I think was made way above his pay grade. And, uh, you know, it's a risk management situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel bad for, I don't feel as bad for Justin because he's going to be a first round pick. Next May, he'll be a, a millionaire. Mm-hmm. But what about the kids that are fourth or fifth round picks who are trying to establish themselves as second or third round picks? I feel bad for them. But, mm-hmm. but the big stars, the Justin Fields of the world, you know, it's, an, it's disappointing, but it, I don't think it's going to impact his career that much. I agree. How about you, Dan? Oh, I agree. Um, you know, what is Justin Fields' pay grade? Um, you know, um, well, that's just a little dig there. But uh, yeah, I think I think the Big Ten has been pretty, um, you know, staunch in their stance, and uh, I don't think any any student athlete is going to be able to change that, no matter how many signatures on there. And Justin Fields comes from. Georgia, where we want to play football, and 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 he went north, and it's going to be a, you know, the Big Ten has a little bit of different stance on that, and um, you know, from a player safety standpoint, um, I, I just don't see the Big Ten reversing any course. How I'll how I'll look at it is this: I admire Justin Fields for using his platform and trying to and trying to get this thing together and all that. And I, I think it's great that he that he wanted to try to do this, but I agree with y'all. I just think it's too it's too sticky of a situation. I don't think anyone else other than players like are really behind this at all. I mean, I, I don't really know how some coaches feel. Well, I take that back. I actually do know how some of the coaches feel. Like Ryan Day, for example, is a big fan of the whole spring football thing. I I don't, I don't know what y'all's take is about spring football, but I I just think spring college football. I just, I just think there's a lot to be desired there. I mean, because think about it. You you play like an eight-game season, and then you give guys like two or three months off, and then you expect them to play a full 12 game in the fall of 21. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, what, what is y'all's take on that? Yeah, that's a hard situation. Um, and even harder in it is that I think the NFL is going to kind of dig their feet into the sand there as well, and they're not going to change their draft or anything like that. So I think even if you, even if you had a spring season, you're going to see – a lot of these, you know, potentially mid to high draft picks opt out because they have a lot of money on the line and they want to prepare for the um, NFL draft. So, um, you know, I think it's a good concept. I just don't really see the utility in the spring season. Um, but I'll watch football whenever it comes on. <laughs> what about you, Dad? Spring football, you think well, it's viable? I don't know about this year. I think uh, the Ivy League is talking about doing that and what do you say we just play football the way we've always played it and let's let the Ivy League play a, a season of spring football and see how it works for them. But I I really think if if they if the Power Five doesn't play this fall, they need to just put it to rest and gear up for next year. That would be the uh, the best way to handle it because I, I don't think spring football is going to going to fit with the the people that are looking to go to the NFL. You probably you, wouldn't want to compound the situation just to try and put a a fall, a 2020 spring football, a 2021 spring football season and put the 2021 regular season at risk. Right. Um, 
at that point, I think you just cut your losses and, and prepare for 2021 so that it's a normal and good season. I, I agree 1,000%, 1,000%. And Monday night, the SEC announced their schedule for this 2020 season. What are your thoughts on UGA schedule this year? I, I think it I think the very beginning of it is, is going to be tough. I think we're going to learn a lot about where Georgia is early, you, you know, just based off some of the tough games that they have. You know, I mean, think about it. Auburn week two at home, that's going to be tough. And then, you know, just going forward, I mean, I mean this, this schedule is tough. But, but I think Georgia's got the defense to be able to do it. And I think as far as offensively, I, I think Georgia's going to be able to rely on its running game. Wait, well, they're still trying to figure out the quarterback situation. Well, what is y'all's take on the 2020 schedule? I think it's going to be a lot of fun early on. Uh, the idea of playing Auburn in early October is <laughs> is really weird because I always think of Auburn as that classic November day. You know, it's in this low 60s. There's mm-hmm. some chill Tailgate in the air. Tailgate outside yeah, in the yeah. backyard. And now you're playing week two. That's that's <laughs> a little odd. And then Bama's right behind them in Tennessee. That's an interesting uh, three in a row. Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee. But uh, I think the end of Georgia's schedule appears to be pretty manageable. So if they can get through the Florida game, I think uh, you know that that might work out well for them. It, it's but it, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of games that you know that are going to be played. And one of the Things that uh, really struck me, I saw Reese Davis interviewed this week, and uh, he was saying, folks, this is the way SEC football should be. <laughs> if you go 8-2 and two in the SEC, that's a fabulous year if you play 10 SEC games, you know, because there isn't a week off. There, mm-hmm. there really isn't. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know that 10 games will ever become the standard, but I think uh, all of us are going to, really get spoiled when they finally do start playing that every week's a really good game. What do you think, Dan? Oh, I agree. I think, honestly, I'm still cautiously optimistic about, you know, us playing the schedule because we still have a lot of days in between now and then. But I think if they do play, this year might change some things. You know, they might see that a 10-game SEC schedule is extremely exciting. Um from the standpoint of our schedule, I think, you know, honestly, Georgia kind of got thrown a bone twice. Um, our West opponents, we get, we <laughs> added two West opponents that are very winnable games. And I think we got thrown a bone as far as we don't have to open with Alabama. You know, if we're opening with a game, we kind of get that cupcake as much as a cupcake you can get in the SEC by starting with Arkansas. So we at least get to get our feet wet. And with it being just a 10-game SEC schedule, Every team is guaranteed to have a hard stretch somewhere. Um, And so for us to at least have a game where it's very winnable to kind of get our offense in motion um, is great. And then, you know, we have to play Auburn, um, which it will be a good early season challenge. But, um, you know, I think is a winnable game. I'd rather play Auburn at that point than Alabama. And um, we just have to manage our stretch and then hopefully, uh, you know, come out alive. Well, well, what's your take on the quarterback situation? (laughs) Um, you know, I don't know, and I haven't seen a whole lot of JT Daniels. Um, I think from everything from experience to maturity to everything that, um, Jamie Newman's going to be the starter. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about Jamie Newman as the starter. Um, I think with a shortened off season, it's good to have someone who's played, um, 
some meaningful college football games and is a veteran. And um, I think Jamie Newman's going to be our, be the guy. I I agree with you there, man. I think uh, I think Newman's got a lot of got a lot of poise, a lot of moxie to him, and he's also got the ability to make plays with his legs as well as you know he he's got a really strong arm. I think he's going to give Georgia. Um, a different dynamic that Georgia hasn't really had in a while, you know, because we've seemed to always have like these standard drop back, drop back passers. I think Newman's going to give us a little bit of a, uh, a yeah, different and, gear. You know, I I foresee offenses being more rusty than defenses with the way this off season's gone because they haven't got the time to break, you know, work out the kinks. And with Newman, you know, if something breaks down, he can he can make a, a 10 to 15 yard run um, if the offense isn't crisp, you know, and so that gives Georgia just a little bit of a wiggle room and room for error, I think, um, that JT Daniels might not give them. Well, what's your take on the QB switch? Oh, I agree. Newman, uh, he's, he's going to be the guy starting off, and I think, you know, just as Dan said, he can... T- Turn a nothing play into a, a, a big gainer. Um, he's got a, a big arm. Um, I think uh, we can maybe challenge down the field deeper uh, than than we did uh, in the past. Uh, I just think the whole offense is going to. They're one of their focuses is trying to increase the number of uh, big plays, and I think with Jamie Newman, you got the potential for more big plays. Uh, I've heard people say Daniels isn't completely over his knee surgery. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have somebody with his pedigree, but I don't think he's he's ready to walk in and start the first day. I, I agree with you there. Uh, my, my last follow-up question with that is, uh, how excited are we all about Todd Munkin? This new, here comes a guy from the NFL you know, what, what can, uh, you know, revamp and revitalize and rejuvenate, what, whatever adjective you want to use, a much, very kind of up-and-down Georgia offense? Um, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I would say I, I probably um... – I'm more excited to just see what he's going to do. You know, he has a pretty good um, track record of where he's going, and um, I think he's going to inject some creativity and some newness to Georgia's offense. Um, And so, you know, I think that could be a positive going into this year. Um, And so, you know, I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but I'm I'm, I'm excited to see um, how he's going to put his spin on the Georgia offense. Yeah, I... I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think he, if you go back and look at where he came from and who he's coached with, you know, I think we can, uh, one of his mottos is you pass to win, whereas Georgia has always run the ball to win. Uh, I think what he's talking about there is uh, he's, you know, we're going to probably see a lot more multi-wide receiver sets and, um, He's going to put people where the put pressure on the defense, you know, and create, hopefully create some mismatches. And so I don't think you're going to see him, you know, when they talk about an air raid offense, necessarily be a lot of every third player throwing at 30 yards downfield. But I do think you're going to have the defense spread from sideline to sideline. And if he de- detects a weak link, they're going to just pound it and, uh, you know, that also has the uh, potential to help the running game because there's just going to be fewer bodies back there. If Zeus breaks a tackle here or 
uh, Cook catches a pass and somebody misses a tackle, there aren't going to be, he's going to have everybody so spread out that you miss one tackle, it can go for a long way. I agree. I think that was our problem last year was we had a great running game, but it was just too congested around the box. And, you know, you spread those receivers out a little bit, then it allows our extremely talented running backs a chance to um, show what they can do by breaking some tackles. Absolutely. So, looking at the rest of the SEC, what are some of the matchups you're looking forward to seeing? Well, you have some of those classic Western ones. People are, I'm, you know, telling me that Texas A&M is going to be really good. Auburn, we know just from a talent standpoint, they're going to be good. Alabama is Alabama, and LSU, they've got talent. Now they don't have what they had last year, but they certainly have talent. So just the games between those four teams are all going to be a lot of fun, and they they always are. Um, and I think I think Texas A&M and Alabama played the last game of the year or something like that, and that that has the potential to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, in the East, um, you know, the Georgia Florida game will be fun. Uh, we don't know what Tennessee has. You know, they're those people up there. Are trying to tell us that they're good and they're back, but <laughs> you got to do it on the field. Yeah. See, with these schedules the way they are, some of these teams can be better than they were last year and still end up six and four or five and five just because of the the tough road that they have to go down. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they re- respond to that, react to that if they. You know, if a team like Tennessee plays Alabama really close and doesn't win, what does that do? Is it a moral victory or is that a, oh, it's more of the same? And so it'll be interesting to see how teams respond. Mm-hmm. But and, and George is in that same boat. I mean, the idea that you're going to just run through with no losses or one loss, you know, I really think 7-3 and three this year is going to end up being a good Good record for just about any team. Um, what What do you think, Dan? Um, you know, I don't know if I have any specific matchups in mind, but I think it goes back to that 10-game schedule. You know, I think we're going to get a lot more comparison games or Sudoku games where basically you get to, you know, you we get to compare some of our common opponents with some of those Western common opponents because we'll be playing them. So I think just the fact that there's going to be a lot more familiarity within the conference, um, we'll be able to compare four or five of our games to what Alabama's doing, to what Auburn's doing, and kind of I think it'll be a good measuring stick. So I'll just be interested to see how we fare against certain teams compared to how some of the other rivals of ours and teams that we're trying to beat fare against those same opponents. And I think it'll it'll just be exciting because we'll we'll get to see we'll get a good idea of where we're at. Definitely. Any matchups that you're looking forward to, Joe? Um you you, you know, kinda like what you guys were saying, you know, about the whole ten game stretch in general. I mean other than Georgia, like I mean Georgia's primarily the one that I'm most focused on. But but I guess, you know, having the Iron Bowl like in a different not being the last game of the year, you know, that, that'll be kind of weird for you guys. Don't you think, RG3? Um, well, it's not typically the last game of the year uh, for us, but... Um, it, well, one of the last games. And it is this year. It's the second to last this year. Yeah. 
It's so, still Thanksgiving weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, so I, I think it's not going to change the atmosphere as far as, you know, only having 10 games all SEC. I, I still think the Iron Bowl is going to be as crazy as it ever is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Iron Bowl is always the Iron Bowl. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. What do you guys think of uh, losing some of the SEC, ACC rivalry games, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, and South Carolina? Well, well, I'll say this. As someone who has seen Georgia, you know, dominate Tech for most of my life, I mean, granted, they're the early 2000s with Georgia Leary, Joe Hamilton, and George Gotti and those guys. But other than that, I mean, we've really dominated Tech, and I, I really like playing them. I really enjoy watching Georgia beat them. It's one of my favorite things to do is to watch that game, and especially when I know Georgia's the superior team. So I'm going to be kind of sad because those rivalries are kind of how the season wraps up, like in the perfect bow, you know, as far as the year. So I'm, I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be sad. But, I mean, different times call for different measures. I get it. Yeah, I think it's interesting because if, if you're looking at it from a straight logistics standpoint, we gave up Georgia Tech and added Arkansas and Mississippi State, so we're actually going to be doing more traveling there. Um, so we'll miss playing Tech, and that's a game I always I always like to see. Um, but, you know, the SEC schedule is, is exciting. Um, I think, you know, that Tech-Georgia would have been one of the safer games you could play, you know, because of the decrease in travel. Um, and so we'll miss it, but that's a rivalry that'll, um, you know, that, that rivalry is not going anywhere, and they'll resume that one. So it'll just be a little gap in the rivalry. As camps get going, uh, what position group are you most confident in for Georgia? Well, I... I still think, while it's going to be new, I think the offensive line is going to be, there's a lot of talent up there, a lot of big big fellas up there. Um, I feel pretty good about that, and it'll be interesting to see what Coach Luke does with them. Uh, and then when you look on the other side of the ball, the linebackers are, I think there's a lot of talent there, and we've got the potential to, uh, to really have a great linebacking group. How about you, Dan? What are you looking at? Um, I'm going to cheat on this answer a little bit and say the defense. Because um, as talking about earlier, I think the offenses are going to be rusty this year. And, and Georgia returns a lot of starters on defense. Um, I think defense, you can um, come out a little bit without as much practice there. Um, and we have a, a strong defense last year. And so I think that our defense is going to be, at least in the early part, what carries Georgia um, because they're going to have some rusty offenses that they're going to be able to shut down. And I'm looking for Georgia to um, be amongst the leaders in the nation in points per game given up. Um, and I think it could be around 10 or um, ten or under with Georgia with how, with how this returning defense might look. I agree. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go with uh, our defensive line, the big guys up front. You know, Jordan Davis is up front, you know, doing his thing. Um, and you know, I feel really good about Trayvon Walker as an outside linebacker, pass rusher. You know, you know, you know those guys that go after the quarterback and make plays are who I think is gonna really help out Georgia and or early on. And the group that I'm most confident in is the pass rush. Aziz Ojolari, Trayvon Walker, you know, guys like that. I think I think the two of them together, Nolan Smith even, the Kobe Dean, I know he's a linebacker, but I, but I just think the guys 
that hit the quarterback, the pass rushers, are what's really going to carry Georgia early on. Yeah, our defense has improved points per game every year that Kirby's been here, and um, I think they could be a pretty scary, nasty defense this year. I really think they could too. Well, guys, thank you so much for both coming on and being a part of the 100th episode and talking to uh, some college football, some Georgia football with us, and uh, some NBA bubble. This was a lot of fun. Well, thank you, and congratulations, RG3. Congra- congratulations, Jam and Joe. We'll have more sports here in one second as we transition to baseball and some Atlanta Falcons. And we're back on the Fan for All Seasons podcast. So we're going to transition to a little Atlanta baseball talk, and we're going to talk some Braves with my dad. So, RG3, you want to get it rolling? I sure do. So the Braves last Sunday got a really good start from Robbie Erlin. Do you expect him to be a mainstay in the rotation going forward? That's a, a good question, RG3. When the Braves acquired him, I think they were hoping. They, w- they didn't expect what they got. And so was it just a good day for him, or is that what he really is? So, you know, we'll find that out. But, um you know, you got to be optimistic. So uh, let's let's assume that we're you know he's going to be a good, solid number three type pitcher for us, and that would be great. Um, would. But he he really pitched well the other day. I, I kept waiting for the things to fall apart, and it didn't. And finally, I just decided maybe he's pretty good. So uh, <laughs> that, you sort of expect that as a Braves fan. You know, over the years, the Braves had have had some luck with reclamation projects. You know, Jared people Wright, have, Chuck James. People. Oh, have, oh, I could, I could go, dude. I could go. That's a whole nother show, Joe. <laughs> I could go. And uh, Josh Tomlin got the start on Tuesday against Washington. Uh, pitched pretty well but only threw 51 pitches. You think the Braves will keep Tomlin in rotation after his performance on Tuesday? You know, I, I really think that they will. I mean, why, why would you not? I mean, I mean, this guy has starting experience. And I've heard Snickers say on the post-game show on Braves Live, which I, which I subscribe to. I watch it religiously after every game. And I hear Snit being like, oh, you know, we lose the value of Tomlin. But Snit, you, you need him. You need some stability. You need a veteran presence, and Josh Tomlin can provide that. You know, he's not afraid to throw strikes. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who has experience. I know who, with Cleveland, he was a number five starter, and I know here he's going to be a number two. But I just feel really good about Josh Tomlin. There's something about veteran experience, especially in pitching, where there's just like a common sense. You know what I mean? Well, plus you're running out of, out of candidates, <laughs> you know, uh, you don't have Fulton Evich, you don't have Newcomb, and now they've sent Kyle Wright down. Um, is, yeah, is Kyle, you start running out of out of bodies. Somebody has to pitch. And is, so, has Kyle Wright really been sent down? Yeah, I think, and I think that's mainly because they don't need a fifth starter. They can go through the rotation three times with four man starting rotation before they need the fifth starter. Okay, so they're bringing up uh, either an extra position player or relief pitcher. I think they activated the relief pitcher. Chad Sabaka? No. The, the, uh, who? One of the good ones that have been Shasin? out. Shasin? No. Martin. Oh, Chris Martin. He's back. That's good. Uh, so I think that's what they're they're doing. I don't think they're giving up on Kyle Wright. But, you know, if they started thinking about giving up on Kyle Wright, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. He hasn't done much 
to provide confidence. The interesting thing, you were talking about Kyle Wright. I, I was scrolling through uh, the, the internet today, and I saw a potential trade rumor brought out there by Mark DeRosa of MLB Network with the Red Sox. And this trade was around Kyle Wright, Austin Riley, and Ian Anderson. And the Braves would get Raphael Devers, the Red Sox third baseman, and Nathan Avaldi. Would, would you do that trade? No, I wouldn't. Uh, uh, I've done some checking on that, and uh, Avaldi has had one really good year when he was with the Dodgers. And other than that, he hasn't really set the woods on fire. Because wasn't he with the Marlins at the beginning of his career? He was. And he's, then, like, he's moved around a few times. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely like jumped the shark a bunch, so to speak. So I, I don't, I don't really see that trade. I, I like Mark DeRosa. He's a smart guy in MLB Network. I, I don't see that trade. Oh, and the other last bit of that trade, he talked about the Braves shipping Ian Anderson too. There's no way on God's green earth the Braves are going to trade Ian Anderson. Well, I don't know that there's no way, but I'd like to see him pitch in the major leagues. I and would see too. what we have here I, before we. Uh, maybe you would lose some trade value if he went out there and didn't pitch well, but we've got enough of an of an investment in him. Let's see what he is, what he's got. Um, you know the other interesting thing about him. You know who went to his you know who went to his high school up in Maryland. Hawks shooting guard Kevin Herter. That's pretty sweet. Well, it's not Maryland; it's New York or New but, York. Yeah, but that is isn't that something that two high school kids in New York would both end up on the Atlanta teams. <laughs> It's pretty sweet. It is. And what Freddie Freeman moving from his traditional number three spot uh, down to the second spot? What do you think, Joe? Well, RG3, here's how I'll answer this. I I was watching the game, I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday, and no, it was Monday when Dansby had the, the walk-off homer. And if Dansby hadn't hit that home run, Freddie would have been up for his sixth at bat. The, the one thing that I do like about him hitting in the two-hole is he's getting a lot more ABs, and he's getting a chance to either either get something started himself, because we know Freddie Freeman can hit to all fields, or his ability to drive the ball out of the ballpark, which he did on Tuesday night. He hit a mammoth home run into right field in the chop house. It was pretty sweet. But, um, but yeah, I, I like Freddie Freeman in this spot, or at least... I, I would keep it till at least Acuna comes back, don't you think? Well, I, I've got no problem with it. Um, you know, the traditional three spot goes back with more traditional baseball, and the way teams are playing these days and the way they're trying to play is not the traditional way where you build a run, where you get a fast guy and then you bat, bat somebody second who moves them, and then three, four, and five trying to drive them in. I mean. Everybody in the batting order, you know, we've got Acuna up first, and he he could end up leading us in home runs, and he's batting first. So, <laughs> I think if you, if it means more at bats for Freddie Freeman, it's a good thing. And uh, but you know, if Albies came back and was really going good, it might make sense to move Freddie back to three. But without a really dynamic number two hitter. I like having Freddie there. Well, let me ask you about Dansby. You know, Dansby's starting to come into his own. You know, now he's batting leadoff for now until we get Acuna back. What What are your thoughts on on Dansby in the leadoff spot? Well, I think he's your best option right now. Um, I've thought all along that at some point that uh, Acuna's going to move down lower in the order, but 
maybe not, you know. Uh, but I could see Acuna as a, as a four or five hitter. Um, but, you know, if that's the case, then you'd have Always and Swanson up there and then Freeman, Acuna. You know, that's a pretty formidable uh, group. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, another uh, another interesting point is that of, uh, of Marcelo Zuna and his adventures in the outfield. Is he going to be the Braves DH for the rest of the year, you think? Well, it all depends on, on who they have. You know, uh, Marcakis is clearly a much better fielder than him, but Marcakis isn't there right now. Um, now, we know that last night the Braves were going to put um, Christian Pache out in left field and let um, Azuna be the designated hitter. Maybe that's where this whole thing is headed. Uh, if Ender Enciarte doesn't start hitting, his days in the lineup are, are going to be numbered. Um, you can't play an outfielder who doesn't hit any more than what Ender's hitting. Well, he get, well he had a three-hit game. Uh, I guess, what was it? Tuesday night, he had a three-hit game. Well, he needs to keep it coming because his... His, if you just look at his stats over the, the first 25 games, it, it doesn't warm your heart. Where, where are you at with him? Are you, are you ready for him to go? Or? I'm ready for him to play like he did two, three years ago. If I, that's what I really want to see happen. Because I think I, I think I had this right. They were saying this on the broadcast. I think he had over 200 hits, I believe, in 2017 or 2018. One of those two years, he had over 200 hits. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about a guy who's a multiple Gold Glove Award winner who had over 200 hits. You know, a, a big time straw at the time that stirred the Braves' drink, and now is just kind of you know kind of fizzled out. I'm, I wonder what I wonder if it's mental with him, like what's going on with the pitchers or, or what. We don't know, but he he doesn't seem to be playing the same kind of defense he's played in the past, and uh, he's not hitting. Now, maybe a, you know, if he got if he lost his position, it would jolt him. I don't know if it's a mental thing or if he, if he's physically hurting a little bit, but um, they need more out of him. Absolutely, absolutely. So the Braves have a big weekend series against the Phillies this weekend. What are some of the things you're looking forward to watching with these two National League rivals squaring off? Ooh, can I go first? Go ahead. All right, the thing, the thing that I'm most excited about is tomorrow night. Guys, if you're not doing anything, watch the Braves-Phillies game tomorrow. Because if you like really good pitching, then you're really going to like this matchup. Aaron Noah against Max Freed. Like, that, that's, that's a pretty epic pitching matchup. You know, we get to see a very talented Braves, uh, Braves bullpen go up against a, a pretty solid, you know, Philly lineup. You know, with Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins and those guys, and but I but I really I really think uh, the the other interesting thing is getting a chance to hopefully see the next great Braves prospect up in the show, and that is one Christian Pache. I think Christian Pache is a guy who I think a lot of us have been clamoring for. Supposedly, no, I was reading reading articles about this the other day. I don't know if you had heard the same thing, Dad, but apparently. Some people think that he's the best defensive prospect in all of baseball. Wow, that's quite a statement. It'd be it'll certainly be fun to watch Pache play this weekend, and I hope 
they let him play the whole weekend. Um, you know, when you're breaking in uh, the major leagues, it's a lot easier to do it at home. No, and, and that's when there's people in the stands. But still, mm-hmm. I think he'd be more comfortable there. And so, um, you know, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that uh, Marcakis is going to be healthy and back with us real quick. And if that's the case, you know, we don't know who's going to be playing where. But I'd like to see Pache get his feet wet and uh, jump in there and uh, show us what he's got. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to. Absolutely not. And you know the other cool thing is Sunday Night Baseball. Prime time, baby. Braves, Phillies. Do, 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 do. That'll be cool. <laughs> I mean, Chipper Jones will be on the call for that. So that'll be sweet. How about that? Yeah. How about that? So, so those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to as far as uh, the Braves and the Phillies this weekend. You know, it'll be, it's always a good series with those two. And I, I really think, guys, that the Phillies are our biggest threat in the NL East. I really believe it. I, I just don't think Washington has enough offense. I think the Phillies' offense is better. I think their rotation is, is on par with Washington, but I just think the Phillies have a better offense than Washington. What do you think, Dad? Well, I think if Washington gets all their pitchers back healthy, starting pitchers, they're going to be a handful. Uh, but, you know, these guys, we're seeing a lot of pitchers hurt and their pitchers, their more effective pitchers are older, and the older guys tend to get hurt even more. So, you know, maybe there isn't a reason to expect that they're all going to at some point come back healthy, but they get all their starting pitchers back going. I think Washington's going to be hard to beat. I think Joe Girardi is is a good manager, and I think he gives Philadelphia a better chance than what they've been dealing with the last few years. Um, but, but right now, the, the only Philly starting pitcher that scares us is Nola. And uh, so, we'll, you know, we'll see where they go from there. But um, but I agree with you. The Phillies are, are a really good team, and they're built for their stadium. It's a small stadium, and they got a lot of big boppers. It's a glorified Little League Park. <laughs> Glorified Little League Park for 12-year-olds. Anyway, so we're going to transition from some Atlanta Braves baseball to some Atlanta Falcons football with you, RG3. Let's get it rolling. So, as we get closer to the start of the season, um, how do you think the impact of no preseason games will impact the Atlanta Falcons? I, I think it's I think it's going to really... I think it's going to be tough. I think, I think it's going to make watching practice all more important and focusing in on guys and you know you know I know I know guys don't get a lot of reps or some guys don't get as many reps in practice and I know veterans are doing the load management thing so I so I definitely want to see you know what they have as far as these young guys but but you know I've heard interviews with guys like you know Brian Finneran and David Archer you know he used to play quarterback for the Falcons so talk about the they made the team back in the day in preseason games, I mean, I mean that's, I mean that's when you can find like diamonds in the rough. So I think the loss of preseason games is going to hurt a little bit. I know we don't always like watching preseason NFL football unless you're fortunate enough to go to the game and be in the atmosphere, like we've gotten to do a few times. RG three. So I, 
I think it's going to hurt more than we realize. What's your take on it? I think where it'll show up is the first couple weeks of the regular season. Could end up being sloppy football. I think you could see a lot of penalties and just teams that aren't in sync. It's going to take a while for for teams. But I think given what's going on this year, it's probably for the best. Um, Do you think any teams will uh, play the season easy just to keep teams safe and prepare more for next year? No, I, I think the, the people in the NFL are just so competitive by nature that they, uh, you know, every win, you know, to them, the difference between 5-11 and 11 and 6-10 and 10 is tremendous. Every win is important, mm-hmm. whereas to us, some as fans, if our team isn't a playoff team, we don't care if they're four and twelve or five and eleven or six and ten. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. But I think to those guys, winning every game matters. And I, I, I do believe that, especially in basketball, um, teams, you know, take it easy and try and maneuver for draft picks and all. Mm-hmm. I don't think NFL guys do that. When you're out there busting your tail and hitting people hard and being hit hard, I don't think you, it's really in you to, to roll over and play dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we keep the Falcon talk going, uh, RG3 and I, well, mostly RG3's got a trivia question for us. Yep, and so uh, careful because loser gets uh, gets a pitcher of beer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so of the 1,696 NFL players in 2019, what percentage was made up of undrafted players? So free agent. I would say 15%. I'm, I'm going to say 15% as well. Yeah? Mm. Well, um... Well, just say one either higher right. or lower. <laughs> all right. Either 16 all right, or 14. I'm going to right, I'm, I'm say, I'm say 22%. 22%. Okay, okay. All right, so it's actually 30%. Wow. So so let me tell you the origin of how that question came to be. So I was watching Falcons face-to-face last night with uh, Kelsey Conway and uh, former Atlanta Falcon quarterback David Archer. They were talking about the impact of the preseason. And I heard that trivia question, and I thought, I, I'm going to use this on the show. And I think it just goes to show how much of an impact, you know, you, know, you can find like these diamonds in the rough in terms of players and stuff. But, but like when I heard that question slash stat or whatever, it just it kind of bobbled my mind for a second. And I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that, Dad. What, what do you think about that? Well, it's, it's surprising to me with all the scouting they do and all the, it, it goes to show it's, uh, there's a certain amount of a crapshoot in it, you know, uh, as to who who makes the team, you know, player needs to be in the right situation with the right type of offense or defense that matches his skills and all. But thirty um, percent is a pretty big number. I'm surprised by that. That's interesting. And RG three's got one more point on the Falcons here. So who of the newest Atlanta Falcons are you? Lo- who of the newest Atlanta Falcons are you most forward to looking? Looking at this year. Are you most looking forward to seeing? Um, for me, I would probably say of the draft picks and the free agents, 
But obviously, Todd Gurley's there in terms of the free agents. So, so I'm going to have three in terms of the free agents. I think it's Gurley, and I think it's Fowler for me. I really want to see pass rush. I really want to see us hit quarterbacks, especially you know with the quarterbacks that are in the NFC South. Uh, and I, I think Gurley is going to make tremendous impact. I really do. I think he's a guy, you know, as we've talked about him before, you know, when they first acquired him, you know, he's a touchdown machine. You know, hopefully Dirk Cutter is able to use him in a lot of different ways, get him the ball in space. I know that's such an overused cliche, but let's hope he can. And, uh, you know, an, another guy in terms of the uh, the guys they drafted, I'm really looking at Marlon Davidson, you know, the guy at Auburn. You know, watching him play in the SEC for th- for three year or no for four years, I was really impressed with him. And I think the Falcons have found you know another guy that can complement Grady Jarrett and Tack McKinley and Dante Fowler on the on the defensive line, and that's Marlon Davidson. I think Marlon Davidson is a guy who is going to be able to make plays up front, and along with Fowler and those guys I mentioned, I think he's going to be able to help generate some pass rush and be able to help out Grady Jarrett. So he's definitely the one I'm most interested in. What about you, Dan? Well, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I think uh, upgrading the defensive line, we're in a position to make, you know, to help the whole defense, you know, both the linebackers and the uh, secondary. And uh, Deion Jones, I'm sure, loves when we draft big defensive tackles because it enables him to uh, to run around the field and, and make plays. And the defensive backs, I'm, I'm sure, love the idea of us bringing more heat because it means they have to cover for a shorter period of time. I, I'm really interested to see what our first round pick, if he's going to be a real NFL defensive back. I, I'm, AJ I, Terrell. I don't expect too much the first year because there's a big learning curve, but it'd really be great if he ended up being a player because uh, we we need help back there. But But if we can end up bringing more heat up front, that'll be great. I want to ask you about one more guy real quick, and that's Hayden Hurst. Well, what is your take on uh, on Mr. Hurst? Well, I think he has the potential uh, to fill the tight end position quite nicely, and under much better economic situation, I think he'll end up making a, a lot less money than you know what we would have had to pay to keep our old guy, Austin Hooper. Um, Hooper. So I, you know, we're we're gonna be at our best if there's strength at wide receiver, strength at tight end, and strength. You know, having running backs who can catch the ball. If you can spread the ball out and you can protect Matt Ryan, our offense is going to be just fine. But um, if you just become Julio Jones happy, where you you throw to him all the time just because he's, you know, he's going to make some incredible catches. But you know, it's he's pretty. It's pretty easy to defend the Falcons when they get in that mindset. You know, they just shift the whole defense over to Julio's side, and yeah. Uh, so it's going to be important at Hayden Hurst, especially inside the twenty. That's when Gurley and Hayden Hurst. You know, we need them to score touchdowns for us. No doubt. No and doubt. That, that's, there's some candidates for your uh, fantasy football for you, Rich. Are you guys playing this year? Uh, I think so. I haven't heard uh, heard much about it yet. but Well, if you uh, guys get going, we may have to do 
We may have to bust out the old fan for all seasons fantasy football preview. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, you know? I, mean, oh, yeah. I remember we did that last year. It was really fun. I got I got some compliments on the show and people were like, you know, thanks to you and the podcast, you know, I'm you're helping me out with my fantasy football team. You know, we're we're a podcast that not only is an entertaining listen, I think, and provides a lot of insight, but we're also a podcast that's gonna help you on your journey through fantasy football. <laughs> now Rich on on Football NFL weekends when you've got a fantasy football team rolling, how much does that enhance your enjoyment of uh, of the NFL? It uh, it, it definitely uh, increases it. Uh, I I think so because you're not just watching your your favorite team; you're watching everybody in the NFL, every single team. Because you you're not going to build up, you know, one NFL team. You're gonna pick and choose from every single team because you don't want all the same bye week, um, or else you're not gonna have anybody for one week, and you're definitely losing that one week. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it it's definitely um, keeps you more in tune with every single team and uh, just the whole league in general. It it really does. It really does. Well, Dad, this was so much fun getting to talk, you know, a variety of sports with you. And, uh, you you know, like I said, you, you were one of the early guests we had on the podcast. And uh, hopefully we can have you on again, talk some more stuff. Oh, that'd be great. Congratulations, guys. You've done a great job. Thanks. Thanks Thank Dad. you. So we're going to pause and we're going to get to our special surprise here in one second. So, RG3, we're going to go to the last part of the show. And this is the special surprise that we've teased not only in last week's episode, but I've teased on social media and all that going forward. So, RG3, without any further ado, we're going to go to the Fan for All Seasons fan line and talk to the, I guess you could call her, the the one that kind of like put together this said special surprise, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say she's the mastermind yeah, behind it. Yeah, I would, I would say that. And without any further ado, she is the heart and soul of this podcast. She is become the biggest fan of this podcast. She is also a diehard Atlanta sports fan and arguably the biggest Georgia Southern fan I've ever met on the face of the planet. She is the one, the only, Allie Hyman. Allie, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. Thanks for that introduction. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm excited to be on the podcast again um, and to reveal... The exciting surprise. So, do you want me to do the honors, or are you guys gonna do it? Well, since since you since you built it, why why don't you why don't you tell the world tell the world? Okay, so um, I just published the Fan for All Seasons website. It's finally live. It's been a long time project. Um, I had a really good time creating the site, and I'm really excited for everyone to look at it. Um, it's fanforallseasons.com, so please go check it out. Um, it's a great resource to listen to the podcast if you don't like going to different apps. Um, you can listen to it directly on the website. Um, it also has all the past episodes, so you can scroll through and listen to old episodes. Um, and there's also some other information on there, so... I put a background of Jam and Joe and RG3 on there, as well as a picture. Um, and then it's also a place to find all the social media for Fan for All Seasons. So, so um, 
and so it'd be great if you'd go on there and follow all the social media. Um, and there's also a place to submit any suggestions for future episodes. So if you want to give the guys ideas for topics or giveaways or anything that sounds interesting to you, go on there and um, submit that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm excited for everyone to see it. Well, okay, Allie, I'm going to hit you with this first question. So what made you want to put together a website and try to get this and try to get this off the ground. You you know, what what kind of gave you the idea? Well, um, I joined the marketing team in my company um, a year ago, and so I've been learning more about marketing um, through them. And while I'm not on the web team with my marketing department, I've seen um, the process, kind of the process of what goes into it from their perspective. And I just think it's really important for a brand to have a website so, um, you know, other people can find your podcast and um, also get, you know, all the up-to-date information about your podcast in one place instead of having to search for it in different places. Um, And then you can also just have all the resources to listen to the podcast in one place, too. So I just think it's uh, a good consolidated place for you guys to go to and for your fan base to go to and to grow your fan base too. Yeah, I really like that. And um, especially, you know, seeing the pictures of us on there, you know, really, really putting a a face to the name and um, in, in the background information and being a non Twitter person that Joseph always gives me crap about, (laughs) um, you know, that's all on here that, you know, I just scroll down and it's there. I, it's really awesome, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to um, to hear some feedback too, uh, down at the bottom of the page. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. Really I think it. I'm, I think it's definitely gonna be cool. I'm I'm really excited about it. I know when Allie told RG3 and I a week ago, we we were just over the moon about it and thrilled. And I wanted to wait and and tell everyone uh, during our 100th episode. So what we'll be doing basically is we'll have like future giveaways, and you know we'll we'll have we'll have uh, a lot more uh, a lot more stuff in store with the website. But uh, but I but I just wanted to bring on Allie and let her talk about uh, about the website a little bit and uh, all that kind of stuff and everything. Allie. Yeah, I'll give it a, I'll give it another plug. Uh, go to fanforallseasons.com. Absolutely. Allie, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us a little bit about the website. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to interview you some and uh, get, get, your, uh, get your predictions on Georgia Southern football this fall. Okay, sounds great. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, Allie. So that was the one, the only Allie Hyman uh, that – that was a lot of fun we did with her and RG3. I'm just really excited, you know, with this website, you know, what it can do and, you know, our growth as a podcast in general. I'm, I'm so excited because I feel like our podcast is just getting started. Oh, definitely. We're, we're just getting started. I, I mean, mean imagine 100 episodes from now. Oh, my gosh. And we're going to have bigger guests. I've, I've, got, I've got so many ideas for, for future shows and a lot of different ideas. I want to hear more stories from people and 
get people's opinions on sports and, you know, do keep, keep things light and have fun. I mean, that's what this is about. It's about having fun. And, you know, like I've said before, this has been the highlight of my week. And I've had every week that I get to do this. And it is so much fun. It is such a great opportunity. And to get to do it with my best friend, I couldn't. I couldn't ask for anything more, so thank you, man. Oh, shucks. Hey, man, it, it's been a pleasure for me as much as it's been for you. I mean, um, when, when we first started this, I was like, okay, yeah, this will be fun. You know, starting a podcast, talking about sports. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun, but, man, like, it, it's been a blast. It, it, um, you know, just getting into everyday sports life and then going through covid and, you know, sort of, you know, working through that with each other and, yeah. um, you know, just getting through and we're finally starting to get some sports again and, um, you know, it's it's been an awesome journey with you. And it's been really fun. It's been really fun. And uh, what, let's keep the train rolling. In two weeks, I'm going to be off next week. I'm going to be on vacation. And so I'm so we'll get back on the podcast in two weeks. We'll be talking a lot more sports as football gets ramped up. Uh, I think as of today, the Falcons are 24 days away from kickoff. So when I get back, that means they'll be one step closer to kickoff. You know, the SEC is starting to ramp up. You know, the Braves are coming down the stretch. Oh, you know, one last thing we gotta we gotta mention tonight. What's that? At 8:30, the NBA draft lottery is happening. So we find out where the Atlanta Hawks will be picking, and when that starts in October. And I do want to say I'm working on. Getting a guest to talk some NBA draft and preview some Atlanta Hawks with us, man. Mm. One of my good buddies from college. Shout out to my boy Trayvon. He's really smart. Um, he's been watching a lot of film of, of guys on YouTube and everything. And really knows the stuff. You know, so I've been touching with him. And so I think I think we'll have to get Trayvon here in a little bit to talk uh, talk some Falcons, talk some Braves, some you know whatever. I mean, so that so that's just one of the ideas we have for future episodes, but. I'm really excited about everything. So, for RG3, I'm Jamin Joe. This has been another exciting installment of the Fanfall Seasons podcast, and we'll talk to you guys in two weeks. See ya!